Welcome, folks, to another episode of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am your host, Chris Peterson. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the world, around the internet? Are you ready? Are you ready for the greatest podcast out there? Greatest so podcast. Far? The greatest podcast, the GOAT, the Tom Brady of podcasts. <laughs> I know you <laughs> like that, Chris. <laughs> uh, especially yeah. after this weekend. Uh, yeah, that that's right. Nine touchdowns in this podcast, baby. Oh, boy, boy. Well, folks, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Are you done? Nine. Are you gonna leave? <laughs> Time, out. Time out. We're gonna start. We're gonna start over. No, <laughs> no. I'm. I can't. I can't argue with that. Uh, I can't deny that this is the greatest podcast, the goat, if you will, the Tom Brady of all podcasts. As I throw up in my mouth as I say that, but, um, folks, this podcast is all about talking about things that entertain us. And if this is the first time that you're joining us, what Ben and I like to do is basically bring things that we've watched, listened to, eaten, read, whatever it is over the past couple weeks, bring it to the podcast, talk about it. But I have no idea what Ben has been up to. He's got no idea what I've been consuming lately either. So everything you're hearing is genuine on that end. So, um, Ben, let's get into it. Why wait? What do you got for us this week? All right, Chris, we're going to start off, you know, with a bang today, right? Um, and Chris, I just sent you a message, a secret message before um, the podcast, because we don't discuss any of our topics, right? So folks, if you're tuning in for the first time, that's what we do. Um, so Smash Mouth, okay? Ooh, okay. The lead singer of Smash Mouth. And, and remember, remember the lead singer of Smash Mouth? Uh, and we kind of like had like a, you and me had an agreement that like, Maybe when they did the Sturges super spreader super spreader event last summer, that Smash Mouth might have made their way up into the worst band of all time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So today, uh, you know, in that same step, they are um, very upset that their song All Star was excluded from the 500 greatest songs list from the Rolling Stones. Um, so Smash Mouth at Smash Mouth at Twitter is All Star not on this list? Question mark seventeen times. Are we missing something? Question mark seventeen times. And it just kept going, and they just kept going, like you know, oh, it won't stop coming. And then people, and then people just like just wailed on them. You know what I mean? Like the um, Rolling Stone ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. You know what I mean? They just kept. It was just like an inside joke. It was terrible. But Chris. Um, you know, Smash Mouth, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like, how dare you? Like, you make a song. Five, now, think about that, Chris. 500 greatest songs. And we're going to talk about this list. And that's the list I sent to you and your messenger. I want you to open up that list. Oh, and it's a nice. Right now. Yeah. Open that bad boy up. Okay. And there are some faults with this list. But um, uh, All Star being excluded is not one of the faults on this list. So, <laughs> Rolling Stone. <laughs> Rolling Stone uh, came According out with According to top. you, I mean. <laughs> That's just one humble opinion right here. Uh, Rolling Stone came out with the best 500 albums. I think that was last summer. Was that during COVID? I think it was. Yep. Yeah, and we discussed that on the podcast. Um, this is an interesting list, Chris. Even more interesting than the top 500 albums. Because, like, albums, you really need to have solid tracks on an album. And there were problems with that list because there was, like, Best of Madonna. It was, like... But then there was another Madonna album on there. It was like, wait, so she gets the best of and another album. It was weird. There are some weird choices, Chris. Oh and God. <laughs> where where do you want to start? You want to start at the back? Because, like, it's really interesting when you start at the, the bottom of the list. When you start at, like, 500, 
Like go all the way up to the top. I would. I, I started at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Start at the top. Okay. Baby Love by the Supremes. Um, time after you're so vain. Now listen, I'm not the biggest Carly Simon fan, but 495. You're so vain. Written by James Taylor. That's only coming in at 495 on this list. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't. Okay. This is this is where these songs get these lists get ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. And, because these are the, the greatest songs of all time. Of all time. Now right. I understand that you need to put in newer artists to like keep it interesting and like get right. a certain generation interested in this. But there's no way. Even I think the artists themselves would probably say that there's they don't deserve to be on this list. But like Truth Hurts by Lizzo is a top 500 song of all time. It's a good song. It's not even the it's not even in the top 50 songs that came out that year. Um Little Nas X with Old Town Road, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, but like I want to point to you like this top the first 10. Cuz you're like, okay, what are we talking about here? What are like the qualifications and like because Possibly one of my favorite jazz songs, or one of the best jazz songs of all time, So What by Miles Davis, is 492. So this means this list includes jazz songs, not even pop songs. You know what I mean? Like if they just said top 500 pop songs from 1950 and up, you know, since like the birth of rock and roll, like 1955 and up, it'd be like, all right, you know what I mean? Let's get into it. You know what I mean? Uh, but so you're including jazz on this list, and so what? is arguably one of the best jazz songs of all time on one of the best jazz albums of all time. And you're going to put that at 492. Okay. Okay. But you're telling me. You're telling me that Back That Ass Up is a better, is a higher ranked song than So What? <laughs> exactly. This this list is outrageous. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. And Like Midnight it, it Train to Georgia. Just, Midnight Train to Georgia is one of the greatest, like, R&B songs I agree. of I agree. all time. Yeah, like how is that at four seventy, right behind "Goodbye Earl" by the Dixie Chicks? Like this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, Ben. And, it, and it's, they, I feel like, you know what they do? I'm convinced that they do this. They put all these songs into a freaking bingo machine and just <laughs> let it spit out balls. Whatever they 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 have their top three. Like you got to put, like for some reason, I even think the number one song is BS because. It's been Aretha Franklin's respect for every single list they've ever made. It's always respect is number one. It's a fine song. I don't get why it's number one. Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Uh, okay, I guess. Like, if you want to be like, ooh, look, we're, you know, we're being current. Yeah, let's jump up. Let's jump up. up to the front. Yeah. Um, a Change is Going to Come by Sam Cooke. Le legit great song. Right. Like a Rolling Stone. Again, I don't see the hype. It's not even Bob Dylan's best song. It's not his best song. <laughs> Like, that's the argument. Like, is, that's not even close to Bob Dylan's best song. It, yes, it was covered by the Rolling Stones. I guess the magazine is named after the song, so we got to give it props. Is that what we're doing here? I, I don't guess. Like, Smells Like Teen Spirit, number five. Like, I, I, I have a major problem importance. with that. I have a I major problem. I understand the social importance of, like, how it kicked off an entire genre of, of new music. But, like, still, it's like, no. like Nirvana had better no. songs. Like, Way better, better songs. songs. I can name like their whole catalog. That is for me. Listen, I'm a big Nirvana fan. Probably like it goes like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. If we're going grunge and stuff like that, really, that's if I'm just being honest on my list. And right. 
smells like Teen Spirit. Maybe I just overheard it too much, but it's definitely not their best song by far. No, no. I would go Lithium. Like, mm. if you want to go, like, radio hit, Come As You Are. Chris, do you remember, like, in, in Connecticut, how huge Come As You Are was? Like, yeah. I remember that started playing on classic rock stations, like, right away. Like, that's – and that was unheard of. Like, WHCN out of Hartford, like, started playing Come As You Are on their classic rock station right away. That's how huge that song was. It was like, holy shit. And then they played, like, Jeremy right away. I was like, whoa, these are instant classics. Mm-hmm. And they are. They're instant classics. You can hear that shit. Like you, so you'd have like sticks. <laughs> you'd have like fucking like foreigner. And then you'd have like come as you are by Nirvana. I was like, wow. Like they're just dubbing this. Like, boom, this is that good. It, and it just kills me because like it's rolling. It, this is not like um People magazine doing this. Mm-hmm. This is this is Rolling Stone. This is the pinnacle of music journalism. And you get a list that is so like what's the word i'm looking for like so basic it's so basic like the number one beatles song that they put here is strawberry fields forever are you serious Uh, that's chris just really quick name me three better beatles songs than strawberry fields oh my god that are well known i mean (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah i could go b-sides day in the life um you know um uh here comes the sun um like uh, hey jude uh, hey jude <laughs> maybe hey jude in there you know oh you know hey jude oh or let it be you ever let heard of let be? it be i mean i've i you know something in the way she looked i mean any oh, of these songs yeah. my god and now like, i your direction to number eight all right what's not oh stop it stop it how is get your get your all freak right. on <laughs> Get your freak on by Missy Elliott, number eight. The greatest, eighth greatest song of all time. Of all time. Higher than Gimme Shelter by the Stones. Higher than, oh my God, Waterloo Sunset by the Kings. Yeah, um, so weird. I listen to that song. I, I don't even know what that's all about. Now, and the Waterloo Sunset, you're telling me, is better than Lola by the Kings? And Girl, You Really Got Me Going? Like, that's that song's better than those? <laughs> Oh my fucking God. Lola all day. I don't see this is the problem is like they're not even like the first Prince song that is Purple Rain. Again, not even close to his best no. song. <laughs> David Bowie, the, the first David Bowie song they have on here is Heroes. Heroes? Are you serious? <laughs> I I can't I'm 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 having chest pains here, man. <laughs> I knew we were screaming. Me and my coworker Jason were screaming at each other. He's like, I'm, I'm gonna... he's like, Don't scream at me. I didn't make the list. I was like, I'm so angry. <laughs> all right, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna look, okay? But I just want you to tell me. Yeah. Um, just scroll up for me. Mm-hmm. Is the first song by Bruce Springsteen either um, that that Born in the USA or Born to Run? Born to One Run. One of those. It's born. Of course, it's born. Of course, because again, it's. Ugh, I can't. I can't do this. This is <laughs> like how. This this list is so bad. Like, hey, did you know, Chris? Did you know that "Paper Planes" by M.I.A. is better than "Tiny Dancer" by Elton John? <laughs> did you know that "Royals" by Lord is apparently better than uh, "Redemption Song" by Bob Marley or Billy Jean? <laughs> or Billy Jean by Michael Jackson? Did um, you know that "Idiotech" by Radiohead is their best song? <laughs> oh God. Madonna I mean, I love that song, but what the fuck? <laughs> Madonna doesn't get here until like, like a prayer. Like a prayer. 
Oh my god, what else? What else? How else can we butcher? I mean, you choose one. That's a legit good song. That should be ranked right. higher. That's um, that's nice. I like that one. How about yeah. how about uh wait, this was how about this is outrageous. How about number 20? The 20th greatest song of all time is Dancing on My Own by Robin. Did you know that? Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. That's better than a day in the life. That's better than a day in the life by the Beatles. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, you know, I, yeah. I guess I guess Gasolina by Daddy Yankee um is is better than good vibrations by the beach boys or uh sly and the family anything that sly and the family stone did um oh here's here's one yeah so gasolina coming in at uh coming in hot at number 50 yeah way ahead of stairway to heaven which is back at like 61 stairway to heaven stairway to heaven you know, uh, fucking Outcast has three songs in the top 150. What's up with that? Oh God. I love Outcast, but really? Yeah, oh like that. God. They've aged that well. They've really, I mean, they haven't put out a record in 10 years. They were only together for 10 years. I don't understand. They're just right, so many weird ones. I mean, just like Beyonce's formation. I, I, which I, again, like, okay, but like, that's, you're telling me that Beyonce's formation is better than the first Johnny Cash song that's on this list, which is I Walk the Line. Like, and then, and then uh, you know, so Billie Eilish, you know, they, you know, they put some new artists on here. But she's up at Bad Guy, is up at 178, right above, right in front of Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever heard of that song, Comfortably Numb. Not, not influential no, no. at all. No, and and right in front of uh, nothing compares to you and beat it by Michael Jackson. <laughs> I hate, I hate all of this. I hate your mind. Oh God. Ah. And you know what's so? It's so terrible because there's, <laughs> you know, how is right, baby? This... How is baby? One more time by Britney Spears. Ahead of here we go. It's ahead of what number is that? It, it coming in at two oh five. Do you know that's better than uh, "Sweet Judy Blue Eyes" by Crosby, Stills and Nash? Better than "Killing the Name of" by Rage Against the Machine. Oh, better yeah, than, way, way more. It's better than "Free Fallen" by Tom Petty, which is an incredible song. Um, oh my god, it hurts. I, "Single Ladies" by Beyonce. Single Ladies is better than My Generation by The Who. It's also better than Blue Monday by New Order. It's better than uh, Your Cheating Heart by Hank Williams. Like, <laughs> There's like some weird choices on here. They're really bizarre. Like when you get into 200s and 300s, they're actually okay. The list is actually all right. Like 302, Wish You Were Here. <laughs> that should be a little higher. Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, not, not popular at all. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know, like, that that Robin song, like, up at 307, if you want to put a newer song in from, like, the 2000s, 307 is Crazy by Darles Barkley, right? I love that song. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Get CeeLo on the list. You're telling me that's all the way back at 307, this very popular song that's used in movies and TV and everything. 
That's way back in Robin is the 20th greatest song of all time. Yep. This hurts. This hurts. So maybe it's better. Maybe it was good that Smash Mouth wasn't on the list. You know, maybe they got, they dodged the bullet. I mean, you know what? Like having seen this list, I kind of understand where Smash Mouth is coming from. They're like, if you're going to, if the list is going to be this ridiculous, like why not put like All Star at the top 10? Like That is true. Like, Seriously, it's like, oh my god! Like, if, if you're gonna, if they're gonna put, um, let me see here, uh, no scrubs by TLC. Um, yeah. What number? Uh, at number, let's see, three hundred three. Yeah. Which is a couple spots ahead of Chain of Fools and Ever Breath You Take, and. Uh, oh, that's way ahead of the Whipping Post at four ten by the Almond Brothers Band. <laughs> oh my god! Four ten, the Whipping Post song's epic. Just, you know, there's uh, apparently Taylor Swift songs that are better than Hotel California. I <laughs> Hotel California, shockingly, at 311. 311! <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, by uh, Usher is way better than that. Like, the first Billy Joel song on this entire yeah. list is at, is at 324, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Again, not even close to being one no. of his best songs. No. And it's at 324. Sandwiched between Iggy Pop's Lust for Life and All I Have to Do is Dream by the Everly Brothers? Again, I... Ben. You thought this was going to be a fun, fun podcast. You know what I mean? And and my first one is not... My first story is not, like, the funnest either, so... Oh, no. Well, thank you for this. Wait, hold on, hold on. I just want to point out a couple more. (laughs) Please. Oh, God. Here we go. Uh, We're going to say that... um, Here we go. Are you kidding me? BTS, the K-pop group. Oh, yeah. What number is that? BTS coming at Dynamite, which, by the way, just came out last year. Uh, Already 346. Just came out this year. It's it's better than Time of the Season by the Zombies, apparently. Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis. Guy well, it was Elvis a good Spotless. day by Ice Cube. That's better than that. <laughs> That's one of my favorite rap songs of all time, if not of all time. Not by my way, opinion. I don't understand this. And you need to explain this to me. So Killing Me Softly appears twice on this list, both yep. the original Roberta Flack and the Fuji's version. So how is that possible? Like, it's the same song... Shirts mixed a little differently between and, the two, and um, Mr. Tambourine Man is on there twice too. I, oh, <laughs> I hate everything. Hate, <laughs> hate everything. Oh God, <laughs> Drake. Drake. There's so much Drake. There's so much Lauren Hill on here. There's so much Pearl Jam. Alive, 416. I think it's their only appearance on the whole list. Cardi B. <laughs> Cardi B coming in hot with I Like It, which, again, not even her like best right. song. 384, which is above guys like Metallica's Enter Sandman. Uh, <laughs> Brass in Pocket by The Pretenders. Did you know that Super Bass by... M- Nicki Minaj is better than Rapper's Delight. <laughs> oh, oh, Savage is on here by Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's better than Rosalita by Bruce Springsteen. 
How is Mariah Carey's fantasy higher than California Dreamin'? <laughs> uh, or Rapper's Delight? Like, Rapper's Delight should be, like, the first, one of the first, like, rap, like, hip-hop songs on this list. Right. And the fact right. that Rapper's Delight is at 427. If we're going to put, right, correct. If we're going to put Smells Like Teen Spirit Ford's cultural significance up there, not necessarily the best song by Nirvana, wouldn't Rapper's Delight be up there for the most important first rap song of all time? Oh, my God. All right. What do you think about Hey Yeah at 10? Can we talk about that? <laughs> it's a great – now, don't get me wrong. Hey right. Yeah, great song. One of the most important, like, hip-hop albums of its generation. Yes. Is it is it, like, the sixth best Outkast song that they've ever made? Yes. Like, there's there's better songs on that album than – like I was okay when I'm going through this list because I, I went through the actual website and I got to 39 and I was like bombs over by Baghdad by outcast. I go, I like that song. I love that song. And I'm like, that's kind of like a, if I made the, if Ben Frawley made a list, <laughs> that'd be my 39th best song. I'd be like, you know, I gotta put some outcast up there and then I'd be done with them. I'd be like, I'll see you guys later. I gave you props on my list. You're not coming back at number 10. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I believe the only Beastie Boys song on here is Sabotage. Stop it. Oh, God. The only Bee Gees song is Staying Alive. The only Wu-Tang song is Cream. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe the only R.E.M. song is Losing My Religion. But we have to make sure that Carly Rae Jetson's song, Call Me Maybe, is on here <laughs> and make sure that it's also ahead of uh songs like ace of spades by motorhead right. um, cosmic dancer by t-rex uh help by a band called the beatles i don't know if you've heard of them oh, um, yeah. like i just this this is really help bad. is better than strawberry fields forever i'm sorry yeah yeah actually there's another there's a couple other rem songs but they're just like far they're so far like, back like the only Peter Gabriel song, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I'm not like standing here for for Peter Gabriel. I'm not going to die on that. Cell. Right. <laughs> but right. Sol, like Salisbury Hill is the Love one Peter Gabriel song. I was like, it, okay, it's nice, but like I Sledgehammer, like I'd probably put that one ahead of Salisbury Hill. Shock I, the monkey. Shock the monkey. Oh God. The only Janet Jackson song here is Rhythm Nation. That's an insult to her career. And that's a four seventy five. I hate all this. I hate all this. The only the only Soundgarden song is Black Hole Song at sixty eight, so no Chris Cornell on here whatsoever, no Audio Slave, you know, and it's the most generic, you know, Killing in the Name. I was like, yeah, no shit, like there's not another Rage song. Yeah, the scenes from Italian Restaurant being on this list is so insulting to Billy Joel's catalog. Oh my god, it's, it's the like, most insulting thing. I've uh, <laughs> like put anything on from the Turnstiles album on there. Put anything, yeah. Like, Oh, piano Miami, man? I don't know. Piano man? Like, that's a good song. Miami 2017. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. Not on the list. <laughs> just. Uh... <laughs> well, thank you for this. I, no I, problem. I'm so <laughs> I just wanted to start with that. Um, you know, I'm not even going to say the guy's name. Who's the guy's name that's the lead singer of Smash Mouth? I don't know. I don't care. He, he makes a care. point. I actually agree with him. Yeah. I, I, You're team Smash Mouth on this one. I'm team Smash Mouth. If the list was this bad, you know what? You guys de you guys deserve to be on this list. I, I agree. So, 
I feel bad for Smackmouth. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no yeah. problem. I want to start that off and get you. I know the the all time album. You know what? And but remember the all time albums. This didn't get us that fired up. No, because there was. Sense. Right, because I was like, oh, you know, I, I I questioned some of their picks, but you know, it was an interesting list, and I made actually the Spotify the Spotify top five hundred albums list. There's there's a top five hundred songs list on there, but now, Chris, what's going to drive you insane is go back and look at the top five hundred songs from 2013. It's a far superior list. It's oh, so sure superior it because music doesn't mean as much as it did. You know what I mean? I'm sorry to all the new artists out there, but like. You know, to really make music, you just gotta freaking love it because you ain't you ain't selling like seventy million albums like you know like the Black Album or something like that. You know, yeah. Metallica was just you know they had their what was it thirtieth anniversary of the Black Album or something. It was like, and they're just talking about like how it went quintuple platinum in the first week or whatever. <laughs> like albums don't sell that much. That's albums. You know how much money that is? It was like twenty dollars a CD and like fifteen dollars a tape. Like. Uh, music doesn't sell like that. Everyone's bootlegged it or just streaming it and you ain't getting so- nothing. So it's nope. like, uh, I- I'm sorry for the new artists and stuff like Billie Eilish. Does she, uh, does she desire- deserve to be on the list? Yes, of course she does, but not above some of the songs she's on. I, I And like these songs, I'm sorry. They're just going to be forgotten. Right. Like yep. I, like if you're going to pick something from like the 2000, 2001s, like where was, where was like Adele? Mm-hmm. Is Adele on the list? <laughs> like yeah. "Hello" by Adele. That's a great song. That's great a, song? A, a. You know, what? I'm scrolling quick, but I don't even see her name over there. Oh, but guess what? Beck songs on there. Loser. Like <laughs> they picked the most generic song of all time by like any artist. And his career. I mean, that's the thing with Beck is like his his career just got better. Like as his yeah. Like he's one of the few artists that you could argue like everything that he did after Loser, like Loser is like his worst song because he it just really got better. Is. Uh, same thing with the Beastie Boys, like they got better. Like ah, oh, mm-hmm. kills me, kills me. All right, we got to go. Wait, wait, no, uh, we can't wait. I want to know. Wait, hold on. We're at one twenty-one. I haven't seen her name yet. Oh, I got her. Wait, Rolling in the Deep Rolling by the Adele deep. is eighty-two. Stop it. Is hello on here? Rolling she, has, oh. she has one song. That's it. I hate all of this. Now, if you want to put hello up towards the top, you want to make that the hundredth best song. I'd be like, oh, that song it. is yeah. everyone loves that song. Like, you know what I mean? Like grandmas and grandsons love that song. You know what I mean? Like, but Chris, just a bunch of garbage. And I know that. Listen, we're we're talking about a magazine that isn't doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? And they're just trying to be relevant and piss people off and have us talk on the internet and stuff. But you know, I but you know when I went to look for reactions to this, there really isn't a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's just because like I said, music doesn't mean anything anymore. And it sucks. I love music. I'm surrounded by my vinyl records down here and it's just like there I'm an antique. We're old. Maybe we're just old fuddy-duddies yelling on a podcast. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Anyway. Oh, good stuff. All right, move on. Get out. All right, stop pissing ourselves off. What? What do you got? You got another story to piss me off? (laughs) Another one to piss you off. Well, maybe not. We'll see. So, Ben, you and I are both big into ESPN 30 for 30. We love, Mm. like, documentaries about sports stuff that happened in our lifetime that 
we can reflect on, well, um, there is a brand new one on ESPN and ESPN Plus, um, which is fantastic. It's called Once Upon a Time in Queens. And it's a, it's, it's a weird – now, here's the weird thing. It shouldn't make me – I shouldn't enjoy it because it's all about the 86 Mets. Right. But I can't not love this documentary. It's a four-part documentary. So right off the bat, like the fact that they're doing a four-part documentary on the 86 Mets – tells you something like this they're going to go in deep and they do which is great they talk about like the slump in the franchise that brought like all these guys to the team um like how they drafted these like guys like Dell strawberry and mm-hmm. doc Gooden and all these other guys um and it, it basically chronicles like 84 85 and 86 and it talks about like <clears throat> all these things on how they built the team up it really again makes you reminds you why you love baseball and it really, they talked to like a lot of the team members, like guys that I completely forgot were on this team is like Bob, the Bobby Ojeda's of the world. And I'm like, oh my God, Bobby Ojeda. Lenny, Lenny Dykstra. Oh, Nails. Nails is hit. Nails. Here's the thing. Wait, did Nails call himself Nails? Didn't he, he make called, his own he, nickname? He made his own nickname. He created his own nickname because it sounded cool. Um, here's the thing. Lenny Dykstra basically steals the entire documentary. And... If you have ESPN Plus, watch this documentary on ESPN Plus because it's uncensored. Oh, and, nice. And every other word out of Lenny Dykstra's like, like mumbling mouth is an F-bomb or another expletive. Like he is just – but he says, he says the coolest stuff. And it's like <laughs> – oh, like when he, he talks about like certain guys, he's like, yeah, he was an effing gamer and blah, blah, blah. Like just like things like that. You're like um, – like apparently at one point he got in like um, Davy Johnson's face or something like that and says, I'm going to go hit this mother effing ball or something, something along those. And you're just like, heck yeah. Like that's like, you just remember how much you love guys like Lenny Dykstra and how much you want on this team. And it goes through basically the entire world series of 86. And of course, you know, as a Red Sox fan, we know how that turned out. Yes. Um, but the, that you forget, I've completely had no, idea i i was literally today's years old when i found out that calvin Schiraldi started the season as a met like he was traded mid-season or like mm-hmm. uh at the beginning of that season and um like the reason why if you if you watch it in that bottom of the 10th when kevin mitchell hits like a single that that advances the runners kevin mitchell knew that Schiraldi was going to throw him a slider because during spring training that year Chiraldi kept saying to Kevin Mitchell, I can strike you out by just throwing a slider. Like, and he just, and Mitchell just remembered that when he stepped to the plate and he's like, Oh, he's going to throw me a slider. Be ready for it. And if that's what happens and God love Bill Burr. You and I love Bill Burr. Yeah. He is, he is the Boston fan in this documentary. Like they, they don't talk to any boss. It's not like they called up Dennis Leary and said, can you be, can you be a talking head in this documentary? They didn't get Dennis Leary. They got Bill Burr Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but he goes off on Bob Stanley in a way that is so Bill Burr, like it's perfect. You're like, yeah, he's a hundred percent right. And it's awesome. But it, it, it it just makes you love baseball again. So awesome. awesome. But you know, it's, it's, but as I was watching it, I'm like, you know what? Like, 
I don't know. Maybe if they hadn't won four World Series in my lifetime, uh, I'd probably be a little more bothered. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be tuning in on this one. <laughs> but you know, they haven't they haven't won since '86, and we've got four, so I can't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't get to play. But I uh, just want to give that a shout out, Ben. Uh, but this kind of leads into my bigger discussion that baseball is. You know, we're late in September, getting into October when playoffs are starting. Mm-hmm. I thought the Red Sox were done in August, and I was like, I had no interest in whatsoever. And now they're now they're literally playing the Mets as you talk literally playing the Mets and um I saw a great article in the New York Post today about how like the how the Mets can ruin the Yankee season which I'm just like that's I love I love I love reading things like that so um yeah psych for baseball I I was I was kind of hoping that like I wouldn't care I wouldn't have to you know care but that's that's you know that's not the, that's case. the way they always breathe. They, every time you think you're out, they pull you back in. That's yeah. how the so Sox just, do. Uh, any thoughts on baseball, the '86 Mets, anything that you want to say? Go ahead. Uh, you know, I love the 30 for 30 series, um, and I love all sports docs. You know, what I mean, we always we're a Bill Simmons fan on the pod, and uh, uh, and then uh, you know, I was gonna save it for like the end on YouTubing, but like I love like the dark side of the ring stuff. I love all that stuff. It's mm. a, and I know you're a big fan of that stuff too. Mm. I just love anything sports like it, it, anytime that you can take sports and make it interesting for non-sports fans. I think you're into something. You know what I mean, Chris? Hmm. Yeah. I love it when you can go behind the scenes and it's intriguing for, you know, Katie cat isn't the biggest sports fan, but if I put something on and she's like, Whoa, this is crazy. Like what the hell's going on with this thing? You know what I mean? I watched a, um, Oh, I watched the little YouTube documentary on Yasiel Puig and how he had to uh, escape Cuba and like he was in prison and kidnapped and held in like a weird apartment in Mexico. And then other kidnappers had to break him out of these kidnappers, but then they had him kidnapped. It's like, what? <laughs> She's like, who is this guy? Like, I've never heard of Yasiel Puig because she doesn't watch baseball. She's like, who the hell is Yasiel Puig? But like this his story is like, like crazy. Now he still owes all these people money for breaking up. It's like insane. Like you're like, what the hell is going on? And so anytime there's a sports stock like that, it's it's just good stuff. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, what else you got this week? All right. See that that didn't piss me off that much. I was I was alright. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> like you said, we've won four. It's okay. Um. So let's talk about Chris. It's been a minute. You know how earlier this year, like we're getting out of COVID, we're all getting vaccinated. People, you know, actors are working again, writers, directors, they're all getting back together in Hollywood or New York. They're making some premiere television. It's time to talk about some premiere television again. Are you ready? Yeah. Some, sorry, prestige television. And I'm going to say one of the first prestige television shows that I've seen post-COVID is a limited series. I think it's limited called The White Lotus. Chris, have you watched the show yet? No, I have not yet. No. This is prestige television on all fronts it's not really a show i could spoil so it's 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 not one of those shows it's like and then you know the the killer is the butler or something. it doesn't make any sense you know what i mean it doesn't matter mm-hmm. this is one of those shows that is a study a character study and it is a cross genre kind of show because it, it comes off dramatic but so you could watch this i could see people sitting in their house Seriously watching this without laughing once. But then I'm laughing at the top of my lungs because it's so socially awkward, some scenes, and the writing's great. I get a sense that there's some improv going on, 
And the cast, Chris, is so outrageous. You know who steals the show for me? There's a couple people. Actually, I can't even say that. Um, the, the cast is so well-rounded. Jennifer Coolidge, a.k.a. Stifler's mom. Oh, yeah. Who's in Best in Show and all the Christopher Guest movies. She is so unbelievably funny in this show. Like, every single time she is on screen, you're laughing your ass off. She's great. There's a young cast member, Sydney Sweeney. There's a guy named Murray, Murray Bartlett, which this is like one of his first big shows. He's an Australian actor. He's great. Um, it, it, Steve Zahn is great on it. It's just a phenomenal kind of like family drama. There's so many different kind of weird little twists and turns in it, but it's totally reality-based, total character study, to, uh, filled with character actors, which we love, Chris. High, high, high recommendations. I could see this show just owning it at the Emmys. I, I think it's up for Emmys next year, right? I don't think mm -hmm. it was in this year's Emmys. Correct. Um, yeah. But this show, and and I, I and I'm not like going out on a limb or anything like that. This show is critically praised like crazy. Every single person that I know that have watched it has said like that show is awesome. It's off the chain. Um, I may could there be potential for a spinoff series? Maybe, maybe if like. Almost like an American Horror Story, if it's about another hotel somewhere or something like that. But you get a sense that this whole season's wrapped up in a bow. Like, it, the characters are kind of... The whole thing's wrapped up. It's a great little show. High recommendation, Chris. Um, when's the last time that you were kind of sucked into a brand new TV show? Has it been a minute for you? It's it's definitely been a minute. I mean, I'm into Ted Lasso. Oh, of course. Um, <clears throat> you, know, the new, you know, the new season of, of What We Do in the Shadows is back. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I think, I think there's like a level of, you know, rope in, I guess you could say. So there's like, there's like rope in, in terms of, I'm going to watch this, but it, I'm not going to be talking about it at the water cooler. Like it's like, for instance, like Tacoma FD, you got me into Tacoma FD. <laughs> I love it. Season three just started. Like I'm, I'm up to date. Oh, it did. It did. Yeah. It started. Oh, I'm not, I haven't started season. All right. Well, after this, I'm going upstairs. We're going to watch that with Katie. All right. <laughs> so. It's it's great. I I you know I love it. So, but it's uh, like Tacoma FD is not gonna like, you know, I guess change the way I look at the medium, if you will. You right. know? No, it's definitely all <laughs> that is candy. That is cotton candy TV right there. That right, is. right. So, yeah, I think probably something like Ted Lasso is probably the last time where I looked at this show that you got me a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's doing things on television that I think you know either hasn't been done this way before or, or hasn't been done since something else. And it's something really exciting uh, about that's, you know, on that. So uh, I will tell you the one show I don't get the hype behind is the crown, which won a shit ton of Emmys last week. Yeah. Um, I tried. I tried. I, tried. I, I, I really that. tried. And you know, this, this is what we do. We just watch, we, we watch TV on the show. <laughs> yep. I just don't, I don't see it, but yeah, no, I, there's nothing, you know, better for me than, um, you know, discovering like a really good freaking yeah. show that, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm so glad, so glad I'm experiencing this. This is fantastic. By like halfway through the, like, I'm going to say like this one, even though it's like a slower, even though it's like a smaller TV show, it's, it's only one season. Like Katie and I watched the first episode and we we're like, that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And then something happens in the second episode. I won't say. And it kind of, you kind of get it. You go, oh wait, I think I'm supposed to be laughing. <laughs> oh. Okay. And then for the rest of the where I, my belly hurt, like I mean, I my ribs hurt, my sides. I mean, I was just like, 
So I think just it, it, it was it, it, give it like one episode. Like you get to the end of the episode, you're like, oh, all right, I kind of I don't know what's going on. And then second episode, you're you're on the floor, and it's all about Stifler's mom. Just <laughs> she brings it home. But Chris, you're a fan of Tacoma FD. You you watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. Watched the whole thing. I'm uh, I forgot how much I love those guys. Um, I know it's like having an old friend come back into your life. It really like, is. <laughs> it Eddie really Panizzi. Is. Did you notice how Eddie Panizzi? His name is it's Penis Eye. <laughs> I just love how it's like Eddie Panizzi, you son of a bitch, and, like, <laughs> and then he gets like a little jingle, like Panizzi, Panizzi. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I just the show. It starts off like the first season. It's it, you can equate it to maybe it's always sunny in Philadelphia, where it's like okay, I see what we're doing. We're just trapped in this firehouse doing the same thing, right. and then season two kind of goes off the rails in a great way. Like the haunted house episode or the, the uh, escape room episode. You're like, wait. And then there's the one where they think everyone's killed each other. And it's, it's like a murder mystery. And you're like, what? <laughs> Are we really going to kill everyone? And then the best one was, uh, I think it was the, the first episode of second season. It was called like payday. And all of a sudden, they're all degenerate gamblers. <laughs> like, all of them are just out of nowhere. Like, they haven't been any gambling the whole series. And they're gambling each other's paychecks. The, da- the daughter is, like, you know, gambled away her entire paycheck and steals the, ba- the baby pool money, which is amazing. <laughs> and I like how they had the crazy odds down low. Like, they had, like, the crazy, like, like the crafts bets at the bottom of the baby pool. It was just he just crazy. nails them all. I also love, I mean, the the, the the people they bring in for the show, too, are great. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, you, anytime you get Joey Pants in anything, like, the fact that they got Joey Pants to come in and be the father-in-law, like, the head, like, commissioner, um, is such a great casting on that end. And then, like, I'm surprised they haven't brought more of the Broken Lizard guys into it yeah. yet. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that may, that might be, you know, more down the road. The one but, guy that they brought back who's, like, the head of the choir Oh my god, that guy's so funny. He's so funny in the shop. Like he steals every scene he's in. His name's oh, Doug god. or something like that. Oh, he's fucking hilarious. He's great. He's great. So, folks, Tacoma FD. If you're not on it, get on it. It's on yeah, it. White Lotus, Hulu. Tacoma FD. Those are the two White. shows you got to get on. Yeah, totally. Uh, high totally. recommendation. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. So for my next pick, um, so I went. I finally went to go see Shang Chi. Excellent. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's Spoiler alerts up. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler. Okay. So, first of all, I loved it. Loved every second of it. I was I was down. Um, I thought you were. I thought you would like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was like, first of all, you know me. I love I love a good kung fu movie, and yeah. this movie had what I appreciated was it had like everything you want in a kung fu movie because like it all was in there. So if like if you like the crouching tiger stuff you're going to be yes. happy. If you like the Jackie Chan stuff, you're going to be happy. If you like um like the the epic like Jet Li hero type of stuff, mm-hmm. it's in there. So like it's everything you want. And then like they tease things. Like I completely forgot that Michelle Yeoh and Tony Leung had done a movie together back in like 1993 where they just go nuts. They're just like yep. like Doing, like this is them and like they're even before their prime like pre-prime both of them and i love in the movie i don't know if you did the same thing but in the movie when they're having the battle down by the lakeside or, or whatnot mm-hmm. 
And at one point, Michelle and Tony Leon like square up, like they're about to fight. And then he gets distracted and leaves. I, in the theater, I went, oh. <laughs> I, I was like, we were about to see like, yeah. like the diner scene from Heat yeah. but with martial arts. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what we were about to get. And they teased it and then we didn't get it. And I was just yeah. like, shit. But no, it was, it was phenomenal. I love how, obviously as an Asian American myself, like, like I had like, spoiler alert again i think the first with the exception of the henchman with the one arm the first oh, white razor fist razor fist who is amazing by the way that like guy's a face <laughs> that guy by the way is a ufc fighter uh, oh really he was fucking yeah. awesome and he was awesome. hilarious <laughs> awesome he's also hilarious uh the first like non-asian person to speak in this movie was ben kingsley like that's how yeah. long it took for mm-hmm. a non-asian person to oh, speak i didn't even notice movie. that that's that's yeah. great it was awesome. So that I really liked. I liked how the first like 10 minutes of the movie was an all Mandarin. Like it wasn't, they were like, screw English. We're not going to give you English. Uh, the whole movie is just going to be, because like, you know, my son doesn't, you know, he can't read at a rapid pace yet. So I'm like reading him the subtitles as it's going along, but he was digging it. Um, yeah. Like, also, I think I said that too. Like even when I was reading, like Deacon would loved it too. Like I, yeah. I, I had to paraphrase a couple of lines here and there because it went pretty quick, but I, I got it. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that I, I really liked is how, you know, again, it makes Asian pride, but, like, this is the movie that kicks off, like, what we're building towards with Avengers 5. Like, this is what, yeah, this is the movie. And yeah. with the post-credit scenes where I was like, what? What is happening? Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of theories out there right now, but, like, you know, we, we really weren't sure with the multiverse and, like, what's happening, like, what's this all going to lead to? Now we definitively know, like, the rings are sending out a beacon to something. And a lot of people think it's going to be like Galactus or these big, you know, things like that. And we'll see what happens with Eternal. It could be. But it could be. Man. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, digging everything. Digging it. Now, the one criticism. Here we go. Here yeah, I want I got a couple criticisms. So go a couple ahead. criticisms. I I love Crazy Rich Asians. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. I love it. I don't need to see half the cast of Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> in every Asian movie, like movie that with a fully Asian cast going forward. There's more Asian actors out there than the 20 some odd folks that were in Crazy Rich Because I saw at least four in this movie. Where I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yep. Okay. <laughs> like, like the guy, the guy who runs like the fight club, like he's in Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. I was like, really, you couldn't get like me to be in that movie? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Like, oh, like, you just, whatever. Wanna, yeah. How about me? Yeah. How, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm waiting for like Ken Leung to pop out someplace and just yeah. be like, hey, I'm, um, too much Aquafina for me. I I I I appreciate Aquafina. Like I like that she's kind of been like one of the like breakthrough people for for us Asians. But I don't need her in everything. And her voice is very grating. And it's like to hear her. I can see that. I can see that. Like, I was hoping that like she would get like like the Steven Seagal executive decision treatment. Like oh she's in the she's all over the trailer. She's in it. <laughs> And you want her like, to fucking die? Like I was you know? hoping, like not like dude. Steven Seagal though. You want her to fucking like, all right, you got to complete the mission, and he just fucking owned out the the black the stealth bomber. Yeah. Like, wow. like exactly <laughs> that. It's exactly like I was like no joke. Like that that scene where like they're they're fighting on the um, scaffolding outside, mm-hmm. and she kind of briefly falls in slow motion. I'm like, yes, oh, good choice. Like kill her there. Because now you've just raised the stakes. 
yeah. and giving him like a motivation. Nope, nope, she survives. And oh my god, is she going to be part of the Avengers now because she can shoot an arrow? Kind oh, of, like Hawkeye. Like, I did. I did go through my head. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need Aquafina in this this much Aquafina. Like, I don't. God love her, but um, yeah, too much Aquafina for me. Um, well, I, I I think you need. Maybe it was a little much because some of her jokes kind of fell flat too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely fell flat. There was like the the build, the punch came, and then you're like, uh, I wish that was a little. I wish yeah. we chose a better take on that one. Like you know, mm-hmm. someone like her, you could tell like she's like, all right, give me a funny one, give me a funnier one. Like, uh, I, and some of the stuff was just like it was kind of predictable. Mm-hmm. Like I hate when. The reason why I love Tacoma FD is like it's unpredictable. You have no idea what they're gonna say. And I hate when it's right. like, I, I know. All right, and I I think I've criticized the office on here before. Um, <laughs> we're gonna lose like half our audience. Um, but I hate when it's like, when it's like set up, it's like a it's like a, a volleyball game. You see the set, and then sarcastic line here. Set sarcastic line here. Set sarcastic right. line here you can kind of just and it's like it's over and over and over again it's like i don't know and that's why i like tacoma fd is because um there's a couple characters that can't tell jokes on the show <laughs> they're unintentionally funny on intentionally it's hard to explain um well the other thing that confused me too is i i know the, the cinematographer for this movie was the same guy who did the matrix like it's the mm-hmm. same exact guy but the problem that i had was it, with a kung fu movie, you don't need to do these like fast edits and camera movements. You you let them do it. Like it's like so yeah, we like, did all this training, right? Why yeah. does well show everything, right? It's like so like you know I get that you want to have it be spectacular and all these things, but like you know there were fights in this movie where I'm like you don't need to move the camera that much. Like you don't need to yeah. do all like the bus scene was great, it was yeah. awesome, but like like just put a camera on the bus and just let us see them go at it because like that would be that would be to me. A little bit cooler, but other than that, like, yeah, no real criticisms of the movie. Like, it's. I would say, uh, yeah, the scaffolding scene got a little too CGI-ish for me. Mm -hmm. And where I want to just, why not have that during the daytime? You know what I mean? If we're in an underground fight club, it's underground fight club. We we can have it during the day, and then everyone runs out, and it's daytime outside or something. I, I just. Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Like, if we're gonna have a kung fu movie, I like to see some kung fu. Like, the the best mm-hmm. part of the Matrix was, yes, it was crazy effects, crazy graphics, fast editing, and all of a sudden, like, Neo and Morpheus fighting in the dojo. All of a sudden, the the quick cut stop, and we actually sat there and watched like a ten minute martial arts scene. You're like, wait, what are we doing here? Like, it, it, the pacing slowed down. You're like, whoa, what are we? Okay, like this is awesome, and like, there was no slow down moment even like the face-off between shang chi and his father could have been a little more epic mm-hmm. we could have had a little more like build up to that and it was like uh, like the finale was great if we're gonna fight a dragon i mean there's only one way to do it cgi let's fight let's fight this dragon you know what i mean i'm, I'm down for that one but it's like if we're gonna have man-on-man martial arts combat i want to see the action, not just like pew, 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 pew. There's black little figures falling off scaffolding somewhere. And I'm like, I, I can't, oh, she got saved maybe, or I, I don't know. So that would be, that. that's my one critique too, Chris. I'm, I'm with you. But um, as far as Aquafina, yeah, she could be much, but Shang-Chi and um, the actor who plays him is kind of stoic. 
and I think it's intentionally because that actor can play funny too. So mm. I think they want Shang Chi to be like a little more like kind of stoic, not Tony Starkish. I think he has a couple quips here and there, but he, you get a sense he's not like the uh, Zeng gotcha kind of guy. He's kind of like a very grounded character because we kind of already have some funny characters. Doctor Strange funny, um, Spider Man's funny. If we're talking about building. Um, the new Avengers. Loki, of course, is really sarcastic and funny. So if if Loki's going to be part of the Avengers, if Spider-Man's going to be part of the Avengers, Doctor Strange's going to be part of the Avengers, we kind of need a straight man. You know what I mean? So maybe that's what we were building right. with him is like this kind of straight man. Like like Hawkeye's kind of a straight man, but he can kind of be quippy too. So we need at least someone to kind of say like, hey, guys, it's it's go time. Like, And especially if Ant-Man's going to be part of the Avengers – He's of course his Paul Rudd's the funniest man in the whole MCU. So, um, so maybe I, I think she they had the reason why they had her is because when he shows up in future movies, he can kind of just be like, okay, you know, I need to, you know, uh, make sense of my father's life. You know, this very grounded, very serious kind of superhero movie. So I think if I'm going to give him any slack on that, I'm going to give him that slack. Love it. Yeah. <clears throat> Love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. What else you got this week? All right, all right. So, Chris, been waiting on these. All right, you ready? I want to talk about two movies, a combo story. Two movies, Malignant, the new James Wan movie that came out on HBO, and Prisoners of the Ghostland starring Nicolas Cage. I haven't seen either. Okay, it's okay. All right. The reason why I want to bring these up are they're two kind of off-the-wall movies. They're very kind of avant-garde, genre-bending movies. Um, Malignant, for my money, did not work. Okay. It didn't work. Uh, We, uh, between me, Katie, and Pat, we thought it was probably one of the worst movies we've seen in a long time. Wow. Then I go online, everyone's like, oh, yeah, look at James Wan, like, getting out of his genre. Dude, I'm like... Yeah, <laughs> just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And, you know, uh, and Prisoners of the Ghostland, Nicolas Cage. Chris, you need to see this movie, of course, when it comes out, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem with this movie was pacing. There's a good 10, 15 minutes of this movie that could have just been cut, and the movie would have been great. That's the only problem with this movie, but it was off the wall, avant-garde. I appreciated what these these movies were doing. So that's that's my review of these two movies is, even though they didn't work for me, I appreciate them because I don't need everything to be a Shang-Chi superhero movie. You know what I mean? And there isn't enough movies out there that are a small indie drama. They don't make those anymore. And there's no more kind of far out David Lynch movies besides Nicolas Cage movies. I mean, that's my only fix of avant-garde films is if Willem Dafoe, is trapped in a lighthouse with Robert Pattinson <laughs> or Nicholas Cage is like, I don't know, fighting animatronic animals and like a broken down Chuck E. Cheese. That's the only time I get weird movies. So I appreciate these movies. I appreciate James Wan. I appreciate Nicholas Cage. Um, but for my bucks, these movies didn't work. Chris, what do you think about the state of movies in general and just how we're kind of getting all of the same in the theaters and it's harder and harder to see something different in the theaters. Well, it's, it's, I think what's, what's interesting is we're in the best of time is the worst of times mm. to quote, to, to quote uh, David Copperfield. Um, 
Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens. Yeah. Is it David Copperfield or Tale of Two Cities? One of the, one of the no, best. David anyway. Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's that guy. Man. <laughs> man. You're way off. I'm way off. Um, <laughs> Samsonite. Um, no. So, Samsonite. Um, no, I think with, with streaming networks is that are just basically green lighting everything. Um mm. We're gonna. We're either gonna get. We're in this time where we're gonna truly get some amazing avant-garde out there pieces that are getting like the attention and backing that they deserve, just through sheer demand and need for content uh, that would never get a wide release. You know, True. never would get those type of things. Um, so that's good. Now on the flip side, as theaters come back and the the industry relies on the revenue like never before in the theater realm i think you're going to see more of the same uh where you're going to see what the studios think are sure bets just to make some money yeah. and get things back on their feet and then save the true art the true out there the boundary pushing all that for the streaming networks so again it's 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 going to be a balance and i think i'm okay with that i'm okay with that yeah. because that's fine. Now, what I'm not okay with is when directors and filmmakers like rail against that and say that like streaming networks are, you know, full of shit and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're only, you know, um, movie theater type of directors. And like what Patty Jenkins said a couple of weeks where she feels like, you know, the stuff that's on streaming networks aren't real movies. And I'm like, Okay, fine, but then why why aren't you making a better sequel to Wonder Woman? You know, like mm -hmm. that. Like, then why did your Wonder Woman sequel suck? So, yeah, um, was that was that a fake movie, Patty? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, a so, good cover, good cover, good line, by the way, if that's what she meant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, well, think, I wanted to prove my point and make a bad movie for a streaming network. <laughs> you see, you see. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting now. Like. You know, this actually segues into what I was going to talk about a little later, but like there Excellent. are good movies that are coming out on streaming networks. Like there are legit oh, yeah. best picture contenders that are coming out on streaming networks that um, I think are truly going to push the boundary. Like everybody and their mother is talking about Dune and how this movie yeah. is going to like change everything. I really want to see Dune on a big screen. I don't want to Me see too. it on a, on oh, a small Oh, I'm going. TV I'm going and, and we're going to review it our big screen experience. I cannot yep. wait. Dude. Awesome. So like things like that. And then what I was going to talk about was a movie called uh, Macbeth, like just Macbeth, um, which is coming out the film version of Macbeth with mm. uh, Denzel Washington playing the Scottish King. What? And yeah. So it's, it's an A24 film. It's already, you know, that it's quality. No um, way. Are you yeah. kidding me? How have I not heard of this? Oh my God, dude. So it's, it's, Denzel Washington, it's Francis McDormand playing Lady Macbeth, um, directed what? by Joel Cohen. Um, <gasps> like everybody and their mothers in this movie, because it's like, how could you not want not want to be in this movie? Oh um, my god. The teaser trailer came out literally today. It looks there's no dialogue whatsoever. So you don't even get like you don't even get to hear Shakespeare yet. But it's just images. The whole movie is in black and white. It looks incredible like if if there's a movie that is going to give like dune a run for its money for best picture it's it's got to be this one because it's just all all the all the things are there and you know i'm like all right yep i'm sold like i'm 
first of all, I'm, I'm usually with you on any film version of Shakespeare, irregardless. Yeah, right. But, but this just looks insane. So, this cast is outrageous, bro. Yeah. Like wow, the, the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, that's I mean Corey Hawkins playing Macduff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at that. Holy shit, that's a great cast. Love like, that guy. Steven Roots in it. Like, yeah, I saw that. Uh, Beth A24. That's what it comes up. Holy A24. snap. So, um, Henry Milling, who, um, he, this is the thing with, so Henry Milling, he played um, the, the cousin in Harry Potter. Like, it's really like, you know, uh, terrible, terrible kid. But he's in this movie called The Devil All the Time, which was the, Oh, um, I heard your review of that. I didn't want to watch that. <laughs> it's dark. It's a dark movie with Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson. Yeah. But he's really disturbing in that movie. So, like, like you know, if if I said, okay, watch watch Harry Potter, tell me which one of these stars is going to have like one of the best, like, could potentially be one of the best actors among the bunch. Like, I would not have picked Henry Milling, but he is. Uh, He's on his way. And if he's in this movie playing that, those roles, like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He was in The Queen's Gambit. He was great in The Queen's Gambit. And yep. then um, he was in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, too. Yeah, I remember. Yep. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, so, but let's talk about another cast member of this movie. Brian Thompson playing Young Murderer. Ooh. Do, you know, do you know who Brian Thompson is? No. He's the main bad guy from the cult in Cobra. Oh yeah, this guy. Fucking pig. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> He's in Lionheart. Lionheart. Yep. Lionheart. He's Lionheart. in Joe Dirt. Look at this. Fright Night Part Two. Come on, dude. <laughs> like the and of course, of course, the Coens see the brilliance in his. Wait, uh, Wait who's he in? Who's he in Three Amigos? Is he the other German in Three Amigos? He's the other German, yes. I think he's right. the other German. He goes into the bar and they shoot everyone. He's like, oh, Ned Niederlander, I thought you were that fast. But then I heard about camera tricks. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's great. That uh, movie's great. <laughs> oh, this guy, like, Brian Johns, come on. This guy, Brian Thomas. And of course, that's such a Coen Brothers casting, by the way. Like, they oh, just, it really is. Like, like, like. Obviously, Stephen Root has to be in it, and he's got to do doing something. But like, it's freaking Shakespeare, and it's Stephen Root. Like, you got you got me, you got me. What else? Yeah, like, I watched I watched that Mandy Richard the Third. Like, I don't care. Like, you got me. Like, I can't wait. So yeah, Tragedy Macbeth. Excellent. Um, I think that's I think that's gonna be a home run. But yeah, that to your point, that it's an A twenty four film. So if let's say COVID never happened, it would get like a kind of like oh. that that art house that art house mm -hmm. like thing, and then. Maybe a little bit of a wide release, but like I, you know, you're not gonna. It's not gonna make a hundred million dollars in the box office pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but now because of streaming networks, like everybody, and it's coming out on Christmas Day, by the way. Everybody's gonna be watching this movie on Christmas Day, so on HBO Max. So, um, man, this is awesome. So yeah, that I, sounds great. Best of times, worst of times. That's how I feel about awesome. the movie industry. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, finally, my my last thing, real quick. Um, and well, I don't hey, know, can go I ahead. go? Oh, that's right, because I had the, I had the Macbeth thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me go. All right. Go. So, um, I wanted to actually, I have a like a, a twofer because I just read something. Um, so my initial story was Elvira is hosting the fortieth um a horror movie marathon on Shutter to celebrate her fortieth anniversary. 
Um, so this comes out this weekend, I believe, September 25th at 8 p.m. Um, and so this is the way Joe Bob Briggs started on Shudder. And so I'm hoping that they wheel her out, too, mm. which I love so much because on Shudder, you know, like other streaming services, they have this list of movies and you go through the movies and you're like, oh, what movies does Netflix have? What movies does HBO have? But this is kind of cool because then when you go through their, quote, series page, they have the list of movies, but then they give you like it's not like it's Mystery Science Theater and their their voices are over top of the movie, but you hear little break ins. They kind of cut from commercial cut to commercial, uh, quote unquote, and they're there giving you little facts about the movie, interviewing like the director. It's really cool. So I'm hoping that they start her up on Shutter. Um, but Chris, it came out today that she revealed for the first time that she was in she's been in a 20 year um, relationship with a woman too. So oh, hey, she's, yeah. So that just came out. I just read that like before we got on here. So that's kind of cool that she's like an LGBT star now. And, um, also that she's going to be like freaking, uh, bringing some diversity to like the cult movie, horror movie, like shutter thing. So, um, Joe Bob Briggs is coming back October 8th for his new season. Uh, they haven't revealed what he's going to do, but something Halloween ish, of course. And then she's coming back September 25th. And, um, you would think that they're watching just nothing but bad movies, but um, on a Halloween special, Joe Bob Briggs hosted Halloween 1 and Halloween 4 and 5 on his special, too. So they give him some good movies to do. Uh, and then some newer movies, like he hosted Mandy, and he does like little facts about that. So, Chris, I'm super excited. Hope everyone tunes in. Chris, have you checked out The Shutter yet or no? Have you not no, gotten there? I still, I still got to get on there, man. It's, it's yeah. been on my my list of, you know, to do's and whatnot. So it's, it's on there, but yeah, no, I, I, I yeah. I'm really interested. So if you're, if you're, if you're next time you're traveling and stuff and you don't have anything to watch, you know, get the seven day free trial and like hit the Joe Bob Briggs series page because it's so many movies like class of 84. Great nice. movie. Great movie that stars a pre family ties. J uh, Michael J Fox on it. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> Which is awesome. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like the principal with Jim Belushi. You know, he's mm. got to go in there yeah. and like clean up the school kind of thing. Uh, and then like, but uh, Michael J. Fox plays one of the band nerds. And oh, it's great. Great movie. That's awesome. Good stuff, yeah. man. Actually, funny story. Um, I was told at a young age that I, I was related to um, like an actress that was like a Morticia Adams or something like that. And because... Cassandra's Peterson's name was Peterson. Like I thought, oh yeah, it must be related hmm. to Cassandra Peterson. Uh, turns out, no. My 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 aunt through marriage on my dad's side uh, is a cousin of the original Morticia Adams. So, um, oh, the original. Wow, the original from a TV series. So um, cool. But yes, nonetheless, I I went years years. I thought I was related to Cassandra Peterson, which made me feel weird because I thought she was also really hot uh, as Elvira. So um, as a young man does, but. Um, Awesome. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, dude. So, and, um, so she's going to be hosting that. Um, she's doing like four movies. They haven't announced what uh, Joe Bob's doing on his special coming up, but they always watch quality movies. And we just watched uh, maniac, which isn't the best movie, but, uh, he, um, interviews Tom Savini, which is like the horror movie effects maestro. And I don't know, good stuff. I just can't rave enough about shutter and the shutter app and their originals are great too. Like it's, they're not like Lifetime Movie Network quality. I, you get you get quality flicks out of this. You know what I mean? So um, check it out, Chris. I, high recommendation, as always. 
Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, all right. So for my last uh, one this week, I would be remiss uh, if we didn't talk about Norm Macdonald um, on this podcast. Oh, God. Well, how, how did I miss that? Oh, my God. Uh, well, you know, we save it for the end. We save it for the end. And um, so, folks, obviously, you know, last week we lost Norm Macdonald suddenly, yeah. uh, who kept a very private decade-long battle with cancer um, and sadly passed from that. But um, shocking obviously, because, you know, who saw this coming, but man, you know, I don't, don't misunderstand me. Anytime folks that we revere and respect and love their work pass on, like it's a tragedy, but it also is in a way like a great day because I spent the rest of the day just watching Norm Macdonald clips and laughing my ass off. Like, forget i completely forgot some of his bits i completely forgot some of his appearances so i just went on youtube to talk about youtube i just, just gonna spell oh, YouTube. youtube youtube is it should be like youtube like either anniversary of his death or his birthday we should have like norm mcdonald day and you go on youtube and nothing you can stream is nothing but norm mcdonald clips nothing but norm mcdonald <laughs> oh my god and it just like the he's he was a master of language like he mm-hmm. just, he just mm-hmm. knew like everything he did was purposeful. Um, you know, the, when you watch like the very famous moth joke on Conan oh. <laughs> and you're watching how his brain works. And I, I, I heard the story about like how that came about and like how he was literally told like minutes before that he had to kind of fill for seven minutes. And that joke is like a, apparently like half as long as, is what he came up with um but you're watching his mind work and it's 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 just hilarious one of the most unique voices i mean you could you could do an impression of norm mcdonald and you knew exactly who it was the fact that he was so revered by other comics that's that's the other thing i mean again i never like comics comics comic right yeah like but but i love hearing comics talk about him and just the the amount of podcasts and and you know uh, statements and stories that have come out afterwards um, have been really, really just amazing and funny to, to hear. So Ben, just want to get some thoughts from you on, on Norm. On Norm, I have been a fan of Norm since I first laid eyes on him, like, of course, Saturday Night Live. You know what I mean? Uh, and I love, now listen, I love Kevin Nealon, right? I was kind of, we were kind of, you and me were kind of raised with Kevin Nealon, you know, Dana yep, Carvey, Mike yep. Myers, Chris Farley. We are in that generation. And Kevin Nealon stepped down, and this guy comes in. You're like, okay, what's going on? And by halfway through the season, you were all you forgot about Kevin Nealon. <laughs> oh yeah. And you were like, my God, Norm is so funny. And that de- and I've always been, even from I'll give myself credit here. I've always from an early age, I kind of liked skewed humor, like stuff that people don't really think are is funny. Like that, you know, like, and then, you know, but um, like the yep, typical yep. joke thing. I've always liked really bizarre kind of humor. And he was just right up my alley from the, the from day one. One of my um, favorite jokes. I got I just got to stop. All right. Yeah, well, I was going to go into there. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go first and I'll go next. I can't remember where it was, but he said like something along the lines of like, man, kickboxing is, is weird. <laughs> you got great all the sport. Art, great sport. Great sport. Get all the artistry and strategy of boxing, and there's kicking, <laughs> and that's that's the end of the joke. 
I love well, and I I remember there's a great YouTube video, and it might have been I might have mentioned it on the pod, Chris. Did you ever watch the YouTube video and he talked about how Norm always strived to he thought the perfect joke would would be where the setup has almost all or most of the same language as the punchline. Oh. Just like that joke right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He yeah. says the word kickboxing and he says boxing with kicking. It's like it, he thought and he tried he strived to act, actually have the the punch be exactly the same thing as the setup. Yeah. And when I just most, loved it. I was about to say one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard again watching watching the clips was the joke that got him fired from SNL. Like this is <laughs> people forget this but like he he was on during the OJ trial. And he went after OJ in a way that is legendary. Like everybody talks about like, oh, remember how great Tina Fey was with Sarah Palin? Doesn't even come close with, no. with Norm Macdonald, how he went after OJ. Like relentless, relentless during the trial. And apparently the CEO at the time of, of NBC was a good friend of OJ's and mm-hmm. had passed a memo to Lauren Michaels telling uh, Norm Macdonald to quit it with the OJ jokes. And Norm knew this. Norm knew this. Oh, yes, he did. And basically says, like, I'm going to go out like guns a blazing and I'm just going to say the best the best OJ joke I've ever heard. So this is it. I'm going to butcher the delivery, but this is it. So it's the weekend update. He's like, all right, today's at the trial of OJ Simpson. Uh, Johnny Cochran, OJ's lawyer, showed the Nick Cap and how uh, apparently it could not uh, fit around his head. So he actually tried it on. And all of a sudden, OJ grabs Johnny Cochran and says, hey, hey, be careful with that. That's my favorite stabbing hat. Pause. <laughs> I stare, pause, yeah. I, and just the way he would stare at the camera after oh. saying these jokes. <laughs> That's my favorite stabbing hat. And then just look at the I mean... And then he's fired. And then like Colin Quinn's doing the, the thing after that. It's like, what? Wait, what happened? Yeah. yeah um, like the next week, Colin Quinn's on. He's like, uh, I don't want to do this. Fucking. Because he wrote uh, half the OJ jokes too. So like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> the My favorite OJ joke was uh, when he goes, uh, it, uh, he's like, during the OJ trial, it came out that Johnny Cochran uh, abused his first wife. And when reached for statement, Johnny Cochran replied, well, at least I didn't kill her like some people. <laughs> Scare camera, pause. Oh my God. Oh my God. And look, I love, I love the audience reaction. They're like, ooh. And he's like, oh, that's the one that got you. That's the one you're going to boo me for. Oh my God. And then he would just keep go back to back to back. And then you thought you would go into something. He's like, Doc, it's the 50th anniversary of Dr. Seuss. And, uh, you know, <laughs> released is a bunch of re- reissues of uh, Dr. Seuss classics like Green Eggs and Ham and Sam I Am, I Know That O.J. Did It or something <laughs> like that. It'd, be, it'd just be like all these O.J. jokes. <laughs> and it just it just wouldn't stop. Dirty Work is a <laughs> – I saw that twice in the theaters. So underrated. There's, so underrated and there's so many people that haven't seen it because it's just been underrated forever i think it's just kind of like you know i always i pride myself in having like you know chris i'm looking behind my shoulder at my weird 
selection of like bizarro DVDs mm-hmm. of like obscure cult movies from the 60s and stuff. But I feel like Dirty Work is kind of like out of circulation. I don't even know if you could stream that anywhere. You know, maybe now someone's going for the rights of it. But it's just like I, I don't remember the last time I saw it streaming on a streaming service. It's kind of like one of those obscure movies, but it's a Farley movie. Farley is phenomenal. At, like, I think that movie uses Farley the way he was supposed to be used in like a little small part. That's fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? I don't know if Farley, especially at that point could carry a whole movie by himself, but mm. like the use of Farley in that. And it's definitely the, it's definitely the apex mountain of Artie Lang in a movie. You know, there's apexes on Howard Stern, of course, but Apex Mountain of, of Artie Lang in a movie is definitely that movie. He's a great straight man in that movie, and I don't know. Him and Norm are great one-two punch in that movie. I don't know. It's just great. Mm. Um, he will be missed. And, Chris, we can't get off the air without talking about one of the greatest, the greatest interviews on a talk show is the court Courtney Thorne and Smith? Is that her name from yep. Melrose Place? Yep. I've watched that so many times. And Conan O'Brien, God bless him, he uploaded like a cleaned up HD quality version of it. Did you watch that, Chris? No, I haven't seen it. No. You uh, you've seen the clip, you've seen the interview, yeah. but like you had to watch like the kind of bootlegged one off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Conan dropped it like that day, and it's like HD quality. It's even funnier. And you see, and I'm not going to spoil it for people, but people need to go watch it because, like, the punchline at the end is so funny. And in real time, like you said, Chris, you can see Norm's brain working because you know he's not the real guest. It's not like he planned it. It's not like he's just on the couch with Andy. And the delivery at the end is one of the funniest things ever. So Courtney Thorne and Smith, Norm McDonald, it'll come right up. But watch the one that just dropped because it's HD. Chris, of course, RIP Norm McDonald. Of Absolutely. course. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, that was going to be my YouTube in this week was just look at, go watch Norm McDonald stuff because it's, it's fantastic. But did you have yep. anything? Uh, yeah. I mean, and then also, um, I, I, actually, that was my YouTubing stuff is Howard Stern had a great tribute on his show, too. He did a good 10 minutes and they showed clips and stuff. Um, yeah, I just have a couple. Um, there's this guy um, on YouTube. Let me just talk about this one guy's channel and we'll get out of here. This one guy's channel on YouTube is called Rock and Roll True Stories. And he has – it's big yellow font on his uh, videos. But this one video is called How Beavis and Butthead Saved White Zombie's Career. Really interesting. Um, and they talked about how Beavis and Butthead, of course, wasn't supposed to be a hit. It was off liquid television. Mike Judge is literally hand-drawing this cartoon. <laughs> it would take him forever. <laughs> like the whole – he voiced it. He came up, conceptualized it, the whole thing. And Beavis and Butthead – of course, Chris, you remember when it got big. That's all we watched when we got home from school as Beavis and Butthead. And um, it got huge. And it got so huge that the videos that they started watching on Beavis and Butthead started selling albums and actually changed the video schedule on MTV. So pre-Beavis and Butthead watching Thunderkiss 65 video by White Zombie, White Zombie was not a popular band. It was mm-hmm. – they released their um, – uh, what's it called? Like uh, super sexy, sexy devil music. I forget the name of their first or the the big album, and um, not a hit. And it sat on the shelf. It made it sold like five thousand copies to like you know their friends in L.A. and that's it. And they're touring on shitty tours, and all of a sudden they go one month and they're selling out arenas, and 
they're on rotation on MTV and they and and Rob Zombie talks about how we went from selling like 200 CDs a week to 150,000 CDs a week <laughs> in one week and it was because of Beavis and Butthead watched showed our video and made fun of us and actually people were like asking Mike Judge to feature them on the show and make fun of them because that's how much records that Beavis and Butthead were selling. So it's a really fascinating thing. The guy's Ooh. channel is great. Uh, Rock and Roll True Stories, great, great videos. Uh, so check that out. Good stuff, man. Good stuff as always. Um, all right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Oh, you all right there? Drop your mic. Yeah, I felt the, the mic fell. I'm sorry. <laughs> God. But it's getting sloppy here at the end. Everybody's, everybody's having a feeling it. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Thank you so much. You can find this podcast, all of our podcasts, on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere you can find us on podcasts. And also give our Facebook page a like, please. It helps our algorithms and all that fun stuff as well. So, Ben, as always, thank you so much. And, folks, we'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. <laughs>